Talent Talk Tuesdays is all about harnessing your God-given talents to live with greater clarity, purpose, and joy. You are wonderfully made, my friends. May all we do be for God's glory. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host, and today on Talent Talk Tuesdays, I'll be discussing part 10 of this 10-part series based on my free ebook, 10 Ways Your Talents Can Transform Your Life. Last week in episode 40, I talked about using your natural talents to ditch false prudence, which is about proper discernment followed by action informed by God's purposeful design of your being. So you don't get stuck in dithering and delaying the way I have at times. But today in this 10th and final part of the series, I'd like to address how to ditch false humility through an appreciation of our talents. And once again, one of the key pathways to ditching false humility will be through obedience to God's design. First, let us define the virtue of humility, which many saints have called the cornerstone virtue upon which all other virtues are built. Catholic Answers, a great Q&A website, has this definition, and I'm cutting little bits and pieces together. Humility is that by which a man has a modest estimate of his own worth and submits himself to others. According to this meaning, no man can humiliate another, but only himself, and he can do this only properly when aided by divine grace, end quote. So he can't really even humble himself without the help of divine grace. We don't want to be just, we're not bashing ourselves. We're noticing what God is showing us, okay? So we're humbling ourselves. And for me, to define humility is just a reality check. God is God and I'm not. I'm a sinner. And our almighty, all-knowing, and perfectly loving Father deigns to love me. He doesn't have to. He didn't have to will me into existence. And our Lord Jesus Christ died for me, died for you. And I am not now nor ever will be worthy of such a gift. And in this littleness and weakness, I find myself cherished and adopted, forgiven and blessed. And in the times in which Christ lived, the idea of adoption wasn't what we think of today. In those days, because the Roman Empire was pagan, they could kill their own children and not be a breaking of law. They had complete rights of life and death over their biological children. But when they legally adopted a child, they were obligated by law to raise that child up and educate them and protect them they, were, they had elevated status in society. And so when we hear that we are cherished and adopted children of God, it takes on a whole other flavor. And yet, we are asked to be humble, to really appreciate you know, the comparison between us and the sacrifice that was made for us. So I can exercise humility by understanding that simple fact and by appreciating the virtues of others or their talents or, you know, looking for the good in them. And by doing my best to avoid being prideful or judgmental of other people. That's hard for me. My talents are such that I make judgments very quickly and it's something I struggle with continuously. <laughs> um, but my sister has a great prayer for whenever someone hurts or annoys her and she, she's, you know, fighting that urge to judge. Um, she says, Lord, please forgive me for the times I've done that to you. <laughs> Let that one sink in. Uh, Lord, please forgive me for all the times I've done that to you. And another thing I try to remember is that when I catch myself judging, I say to myself, that person is cherished by God. That person is cherished by God. And it makes me want to treat them better, even in my own thoughts. 
and it effectively takes the air out of my pride. And pride is one of the deadly sins, so we want to avoid it like the plague that it is. But we can get so afraid. I want to make a distinction here. We want to avoid judgment and pride and all of that. But we can be so afraid of being proud or vain that we forget about the part where we're cherished and wonderfully made. That's right out of God's word. Scripture tells us in Psalm 139, and by now you probably know that's one of my big favorites. Um, so that's, in fact, all of my programs are based on that idea of being wonderfully made. So here's what I wrote in paragraph 10 of the ebook that we've been going through paragraph by paragraph in the series. And you'll notice that in the ebook, all the scriptures and catechism references that I'm kind of going to go through here, they're noted in the text. So look at the ebook if you want to find out where everything comes from, okay? So for ease of reading, I'm just going to go straight through here. You may have read that you are wonderfully made, unique and unrepeatable and called to an abundant life. Yet you may fear becoming egotistical. Don't worry. True humility honors God by saying, yes, I am broken, a sinner in need of saving, but I'm deeply loved and I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. Humility prays for guidance because God has a holy plan and purpose for your life. He seeks to bless you, not to harm you and to fill your days with hope. Humility stands in awe of God's love and his generous giftings. Therefore, I praise you, Lord, because I am wonderfully made, and those gifts can never be taken from you." End quote. So humility is good, while false humility can be hypocritical, like the person who rushes to tell everyone all their good deeds and accomplishments, instead of simply offering praise and thanks to God for the grace to carry those things out. They didn't do them alone. Nothing good really only comes from us. It's where we meet God in those fiat moments. And our Heavenly Father's told us to do certain things in secret, uh, so that our left hand doesn't know what our right hand is doing. It's not that it's sinful to speak of our sacrifices. There can be a, a non-sinful way to talk about them. Of course, if we're teaching our children or a dear friend has said, I don't know what to do for Lent, you know, that sort of thing. Of course, we can talk about them, but we're not to be talking about them or do them for show, which is performative. And it's all about gaining the approval of, and the praise of others. I love Philippians 4.13, where St. Paul says, I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. There's that absolute clarity that he's holding on to the hand of Christ at all times. It's a healthy humility, but it's incredibly liberating. I can do all things. <laughs> and it basically means that whatever happens, God never forsakes me and he upholds my life. So if he permits me to be successful, I'll praise him. If he permits me to be in poverty, I'll praise him. But for me to receive the praise of other human beings will basically, if I'm truly humble, mean nothing to me. Mother Teresa even said that. She said, if, if you're humble, then if people praise you, it won't change your estimation of yourself. And if people lie about you or, you know, calumniate you or whatever, it won't make any difference to you because you're humble. None of that means anything. Okay, so we know that anything that we do well, we do by God's grace. And I know you know that already. And yet people of faith typically live in chronic fear of not being humble enough. And that nagging fear can actually hold us back from using our gifts in the joyful freedom of children of God, of the priests, prophets, and kings we are made to be in all the ways that we are called to use our gifts to glorify God and using them to draw others into his heart. 
Now, of course, we know that we're not supposed to brag about our gifts and talents or draw too much attention to our own accomplishments. What would be the point of that except to elevate ourselves in the eyes of others and perhaps make someone else feel less than or envious? We should be looking for the good in others and seeking to elevate them. But that does not mean that we should buy into a very common and clever lie of our spiritual enemy that the children of God are nothing special and that God has made us randomly or carelessly. Believe it or not, that mindset frequently causes Catholics and other believers to fall into a false conviction that the lack of fulfillment and joy in their lives is just their cross to bear, that it's God's will for their lives, that, they, that, that he wants them to be frustrated and sad and cover it up with a brave smile. Now, we all know that Christ's victory is the victory of the cross, so I'm not saying that suffering isn't redemptive and beautiful when united with the cross, but this is different. St. Paul wrote in Hebrews 12, verse 2, that Jesus carried his cross, quote, for the joy that lay before him. Hear that. He had his eyes on the joy that lay before him. He carried it every step of the way out of love for us but he knew what joy lay before him. And when believers are trapped in, believers, you know, you and I, are trapped in a mindset that my lack of joy is God's will, and, and they see other people living purposeful, exciting lives of great joy, they just figure, maybe subconsciously, that God has forgotten about them, or he just loves others more. It's unintentional, but if you really think about it, it's not humility at all. It's actually quite insulting to our dear Lord whose love for us is infinite, perfect, and personal. His design of each unique and unrepeatable soul is lovingly suited to the beautiful divine plan that he has created just for that person, just for you, just for me. And furthermore, he's planted the seeds of that plan deep in our hearts with holy desires and longings that connect right to our talents. I've said this many times on the show, but Jesus said, we are called to be that bright city on a hill, to let our light shine on a lampstand. He even says, let your good works be seen by others to give glory to God. He doesn't mean to brag about them or do them for show, but he wants us to live beautiful lives. He says, Jesus actually calls us the light of the world. Let that sink in. And notice how Satan's lies are all directed at discouraging us, holding us back and getting us to hide our lights and bury our talents out of a well-meaning but false idea of humility. True humility makes us holy and happy because we walk in truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And while it is true that we are small and insignificant compared to the Lord God Almighty, it is also true that God does nothing half-heartedly or carelessly. All we have to do is look at Hubble photographs of the, of the universe, of the galaxies, the stars, the nebulas, the black holes, everything. Did God just do that randomly? Is the incredible order and splendor of the universe accidental? When he loved you into existence, he did so from the infinite beauty of his divine heart. There's nothing distracted or half-hearted about God. In all the magnificence and splendor of his love for you, you emerged into this world. His personal and particular love that is only for you. And as St. Paul says in so many of his letters, each individual member of the body is essential to the health of the whole body. 
and it's our duty to ask and seek and find the answers to our deepest longings because all of those answers are found in God. If we give up the search, if we think there's nothing special about us or our lives, there's no wonderful plan, we stop looking for him. We stop looking for our fulfillment in him, so we mustn't be afraid of asking and seeking and finding. And just as we can learn a great deal about the heart of God by studying the beauty and splendor and order woven into the natural world, we can also learn about his love by discovering his design in our very selves. But to ignore the beauty and power we are given, which speaks so tenderly of God's intentions and desires for our happiness, would be an insult to him. To go around humbly declaring ourselves nothing special, unimportant to the Father, means that, really think about it, we see him as stingy in the way he gives his love, cold-hearted, or perhaps lazy in the creation of his own children. Perish the thought. And yet it nags at us, and it masquerades as humility. In truth, the more we appreciate our own design like art lovers praising the artist, the more we love the designer because we see his goodness in all that he makes. And once we see it, we can't unsee it. And in the joy of this reality, our hearts are flooded with gratitude and awe and a new confidence that we are wonderfully made and purposed for God's glory. We are able to finally grasp the empirical evidence right here within ourselves that our creator is infinitely good, kind, and creative, and that our gifts were all made for a purpose, and that they offer important clues to our personal walk with God they might seem small or even invisible to the world, but those gifts will light you up in a way that makes a difference in the world. And I'd like to challenge anyone listening who hasn't yet delved into their gifts, whether it's charisms, ministry giftings, talents, or motivations, get started. Many of the great saints have said that self-knowledge is the beginning of holiness. St. Teresa of Avila called self-knowledge the first room of the interior castle. She's talking about the soul. And she followed that thought by saying that self-knowledge leads to humility. We learn at once how beloved and how weak and needy we are. And as always, I'm going to recommend the Clifton Strengths Assessment. That's the tool that I use in coaching. I've mentioned it very often on this show for a few reasons. Number one, because it will tell you your greatest gifts. Number two, it'll show you the blind spots that typically trip you up so that you can watch out for them. And number three, it will show you the inherent weaknesses in your talents so you can manage yourself well, land well with people. It's like having a beautiful Formula One racing car and learning its features and how to drive it well so you don't keep ending up in a ditch. <laughs> and so you'll be able to learn how to shine and how to repent, how to lead and how to collaborate. It's got solid Christian roots, as I've said before, and over 60 years of research behind it. And to date, over 31 million people worldwide have taken it. And many parishes, universities, and corporations around the world depend on it to maximize the development of the personal and professional gifts and callings while igniting greater cooperation and achievement. Think about doing your Clifton Strengths. And if you've already taken it in the past, and many people have in their parishes or jobs or schools, 
take it off the shelf, <laughs> find that file, reopen your Gallup account, find your old password, and start reading and praying with your results. Don't get bogged down by the labels that are in it. You know, understand what they mean, what Gallup means by their labels. But don't get bogged down in them. They're not meant to hang around your neck like a burden or box you in. For everything that you read about yourself, ask the Lord, who do you say that I am? This is really useful information. It's very exciting information. But make sure that you name and claim. How does it really show up in me? How is it uniquely mine? And reflect on how those talents operate in your life and discuss your results with people who know you well and get their observations and then do something you've probably never thought of doing before post at least the top five talents to a wall or stick them to a mirror or on your computer where you'll see them every day so that you'll remember to offer them to god every day and develop the heck out of them and, and aim them right at your goals. Gallup says, name them, claim them, and aim them. Use them. They're your toolbox. Get in there. Live your adventure. Don't bury your talents in the ground. Give them back to God with increase for his glory and your joy. And remember, joy is something that abides with us in suffering. It's not happy, happy mood. Joy is much deeper. His glory and your joy can be found in what what he has woven into your being for a purpose. You are wonderfully made, my friends. Reach out to me anytime at lisa at wonderfullymade139.com. I would love to hear from you. I'm praying for you. Please pray for me too. God bless you.